Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. So there are things in life that I, I just can't understand. I was on JMU's campus earlier uh, this week, and while I was there, there were these little robots driving all over the place. Uh, no one was driving them. I didn't see anybody with a remote. I didn't see anybody. T- they were just all over the place. I almost tripped over one, and then another one started following me, maybe because he thought I was trying to pick a fight with the one that I tripped over, you know? So I thought maybe they're like swarm attack mode. This is the new security system at JMU, but... but uh, I have no idea how any of that works. I'm just going to say that, okay? I have no idea the technology behind it. I have no idea who came up with this idea. You know what we need less of? We need less people delivering things. Forget bikes or hoverboards or whatever you thought the future was going to be. Give it to the robot. Whatever you need, the robot will do. I don't know if they're delivering pizza or confidential government documents. I have no idea, but these things are zooming all over the place. I have no idea how they don't get hit by cars, how they don't just fall into a ditch somewhere and whatever important document doesn't get. No idea how any of that works. I know that there's incredibly smart people behind it. I know somewhere somebody is making a lot of money off the you know, engineer, sciences, whatever. Really smart people understand how that works. But there's about a dozen things happening right there that I just will never understand. I'm just going to admit it. What about this? Uh, right now, like right now, somewhere in the world, new life. New life is being born. That's really cool and, and kind of crazy too, right? Thinking about that. And, and, and listen, at that moment... I cannot under, I can't understand how the heart starts beating and the lungs just know how to work and there's all these like neurons in the brain that just start firing how they should. I mean, there's a lot happening there in that moment and there's really smart doctors and people that could come up and tell me about all that. I'm just here to tell you, I will probably never understand that. I'll never understand that. Uh, you, you know what it means if you see me by the side of the road with the hood of my car up? Nothing, because I know nothing about what's happening under there. The flux capacitor is out. I have no idea, right? Because I will never understand the inner workings of my automobile that gets me where I need to go. Most of the time it gets me where I need to go, right? I'll never understand. I'll never understand how we can have low pressure and high pressure and they can collide in the atmosphere and create all kinds of different ones. There are people that understand that. Some of you are like, really? You get like weather models. I had no idea. I thought that was like a person modeling weather. But no, there's like these things and you get way into that and you understand that. I never will. (laughs) I'll never be one of those people. Today, today I want to talk about something more complex than any of that, I I think. Seemingly impossible to understand. That's where uh, James 1 is going to bring us today. We, we are on a journey through the book of James. If you're here with us this morning, you don't have to wonder, I wonder what we're going to talk about. We are in the book of James. We're hanging out here. Uh, we're journeying uh, through the next couple of months through the book of James. And it's challenging. 
It's challenging, but we believe for such a time as this, we, we need to be challenged. God's called us, and we need to be challenged. And so uh, we are reading the words. These words were written. They weren't originally written to us. Sorry to hurt your feelings. But thou- thousands of years ago, when these words were written, they were written to a group of believers, a, a group of-, of men and women that were so impacted by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. It transformed their life in such a way that they, they, they committed their life to the way, the way of Jesus. The common practice of the day was to proclaim Caesar is Lord, but they proclaimed, no, Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. They were so transformed by, by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus that it literally transformed their lives. So in response to that, there's trouble. In response to that, uh, some are thrown in prison. Some are removed from their homes. Some are punished. Some are martyred. And they begin scattering throughout the region. And so, so now they're not just in Jerusalem, but they're scattered throughout. And that's where James, that's who James is writing to. He's writing from home to all of these believers, all of these believers that are now suffering and facing all kinds of difficulty throughout the region. What do you say to people like that? People that are willing to risk their lives for the cause of Christ. Well, we began this, this journey uh, two weeks ago, and it will be a journey for us. We're, we're taking our time here, but, but last week we examined these words in James chapter 1, challenging words to these believers. James says what? What does he say? He says, consider it joy when you face trials. What? What? These people running for their lives being martyred, having their families beaten in front. These people, he says, consider it joy when you face trials. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Why would they consider it joy? Because James says there's something happening in the trial. It's producing something in you. You may not be able to see it. You may not be able to testify to it now. But in that trial, the trial that you're experiencing right now in your life, God is producing something in you. He's preparing you for something, something else. There's something you don't have yet that he wants to give you. You're being refined. The Lord is saying, I have a goal in mind. I'm writing your story. And I want to work all things for your good and for my glory. And can I be honest with you today, church? I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I've witnessed it. I've seen it happen with my own eyes. There are times in my life, if I were to tell you today, uh, the times of my life that have been most impactful on me, challenging, it's, it's the hardest moments of my life. Oftentimes, it's the most painful moments of my life. I can look back now and say, wow, man, look, look, what, look what God did in, in and through those. But, but I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've seen God use pain and disappointment. This entire story of God is filled with moments like that. In the Old Testament, there's this guy, Joseph. Not not Joseph, father of Jesus. Joseph, who had a lot of brothers. And they sold him into slavery. They left him for dead. And later on, God God redeems his life. And and he, he comes face to face again with these brothers that left him for dead. And in the face of all that he had experienced, you know what he says to his brothers? He doesn't say, get lost, forget you. You No, what he says in Genesis, he says, what you meant for evil, God used for his good. 
In the New Testament, there's this guy, Paul, who persecutes Christians. He's like enemy number one. He's the guy that, that as all the Christians are praying for, that they're praying for him on the wall, and they might be throwing some darts at it too. That he's not their favorite person. He's persecuting. He's destroying the church. But God transforms his life. And now, what does is, what is, uh, God do with the, with the pain and the shame of his past? He uses it in Paul's life to transform him for his good and his mission. What about Peter? He, he literally denies Christ. Literally denies. I don't even know that guy. Three times. What does God do with the pain of that moment? Well, he uses it. He uses it and Peter becomes one, one of the leaders one of the greatest leaders the church has ever known. See, this entire story of God is filled with moments like these. But truly, in my finite, limited brain, I, I just can't understand it. I can't understand how it works. In my brain, you know what I do? You know, James 1 says, when you face trials, consider it joy. You know what I do? When I face trials, I consider it a travesty. I consider it doom and gloom. I consider it a total disaster every time I face a trial. How about you? I know what James 1 says. I know what James 1 says I should consider it as, but when I face trials, I consider this is going to be a total disaster. I consider it panic. You see, I, I, I struggle to understand how that can be true. I know it's true. I trust God completely, but when it comes to my life and the trials, maybe I can believe that for you, but when it comes to my life and the trials that I face, I can't understand that. And if that's you today, if I'm not alone in that, if as I'm talking, you, you resonate with that tension, then today's words are good news. Today's words in James 1 are good news. Are you ready for good news today, church? Are we ready? Let's have some good news. Uh, we're going to do something throughout this series uh, as we open the word. I'm going to invite you, if you would, if you have your copy of scripture, turn to James chapter 1 on your phone, in your Bible. And as you do that, would you stand this morning? We believe that participation is better than observation. And so today, we don't want you to just observe the word. We want you to participate in it. So as I read these words, these are words that we believe were written. We know they are written thousands of years ago, but we believe today, today, God has these words for us. For such a time as this. So we're going to begin reading in verse 5 of James chapter 1. This is the word of the Lord for us today. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. God, we pray today, we pray today that you would give us minds that are open. <laughs> open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you. Open our hearts to receive your word, to be changed not by our truth, not by what we feel, not by what we think, Lord, but by what, what you say, what you declare is true today over our lives. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's go. 
Let's go. You can sit. You can sit. Let's go. Let's go. Let's journey into the word. I have prayed. I have prayed James 1, 5 over my life many times. Many times. You didn't have to tell me what James 1, 5 says because that's a verse I've gravitated to many times in my life. As I've prayed, as I've prayed about how to be a, a father and a husband and a son and, and, a, and a leader. And I pray often, James 1, 5, I pray it often over our staff and leaders and others. James 1, 5 is a powerful verse. But yet, yet it wasn't until this journey through the book of James that I realized the context for James 1, 5. And never forget, church family, the context of scripture. It matters. It matters. See, the wisdom James is talking about in verse 5 is not just some generic wisdom. Not like, should we have chicken parm for dinner or order pizza? Let's pray and God will give wisdom. You know, like, and look, 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 we need wisdom. We need wisdom about all kinds of things. And I believe the truth is we ask God and he wants to give it to us. But, but, but if you look at the context of verse 5 of James 1, this is not just some vague sense of needing direction in our lives. No, this is in direct response to the words that precede it, the exhortation that precedes it that we talked about last week. James knows there are believers, there are believers who cannot understand how to consider it joy in the midst of the trial they're facing. Isn't that what we just talked about in James 1 last week? Consider it joy when you face trials because the Lord's producing something in you. He's refining you. He's developing perseverance in you. And immediately right after that, James says, if you lack wisdom, it's almost as if James knows. He knew 2,000 years ago and he knows today there's going to be some of us. There's going to be some of us that struggle to understand how that's possible. Maybe I can believe it's true, but I, I, I struggle to understand how that can be a reality in my life in the midst of trial I'm going through. Because I don't consider it joy, I consider it a disaster. And so for that person, James says, ask for wisdom. Seek God for wisdom in this. There will be a tension. This will be challenging, but seek God for wisdom. And he gives what generously, we talk about God as generous, right? He generously gives us wisdom without finding fault. When you go to God, he doesn't turn his head away because of the bad things you've done, because you haven't measured up to some standard. When you come and you, you're desperate for wisdom on, Lord, how, how can I consider it joy in the midst of the trial I'm experiencing? He gives generously. He gives wisdom generously without finding fault. He wants to help you. He, he wants you to have the things that you need in order to live a life that pleases him. And then we get to verse 6. We get to verse 6. And, and verse 6 shows us that the problem we have, the problem we have in the midst of our trial is not an understanding problem. It's not, not according to James, because God has promised to give us wisdom. So, so I think of that often in the trial. I think I have an understanding problem. I don't understand God. I don't understand. I can't see. I can't comprehend. I don't, I don't get what you're doing here. But according to James, we don't have an understanding problem because God has promised if we ask him for wisdom in the trial, he'll give it to us. He'll give it to us. But according to James 1, we don't have a wisdom problem. We have a doubt you see, God's promised wisdom. He, he will not hold back wisdom. He gives generously. But see, James 1, 6 through 8 tells us that when we ask, we have to believe. We can't doubt. 
we can't doubt. And James gives us two visuals to understand the danger of doubt. Today's message is entitled, The Danger of Doubt, because that's really what this section of James 1 uh, tells us. That doubt, doubt, if we allow it to creep in and we allow it to take root and left unchallenged, doubt can be dangerous. And so what are the two visuals James gives us? We just read it together. But visual number one is this, a wave of the sea, something tossed here and there. I don't have a lot of experience in boats. I'm not a fisherman. I'm not a boatsman. That's not a word, so you can tell. He has no idea what he's talking about, right? He can't even fake it. I can't even, like, throw the lingo around, right? I, no idea. I don't have a lot of experience. I mean, I've gone in a boat before, so you don't have to, like, you know, be be worried about. I've done that, but I do have one. Uh, when I was uh, little, I was probably like 10 years old. Uh, one of my best buddies, we lived in Richmond at the time, and his dad, he invited me to go fishing. I didn't know anything about fishing, but they had grape soda. So I was like, sure, I'll go. So, so we get out, and uh, this is not some elaborate fishing boat. Like some of you, you, good for you with your thing, you know. This is like a metal thing, you know. I, we had like some oars. We did have a motor in the back so we could kind of, and we went out on the bay to fish. And all I can remember is I didn't want to ever touch the fish. Dude, do you want to put the hook in? Do you want to take the hook out? Nope, I don't want to do that. I don't want to touch the worms. But I liked the grape soda. That was really cool. And uh, I learned how you go to the bathroom when you're out in the middle of water. Anyway, that's, that's beside the point. I was memorable to a 10-year-old. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, what I do remember the most about that day, as we were there, we had been out most of the day having a good time, that we started to see some clouds overhead. My buddy's dad started saying, ooh, it looks like we, we better start going in. And, and sure enough, we turned to go back in towards shore, and we couldn't even get in quick enough. The storm came in. And uh, spoiler alert, we made it through the storm because here I am and I'm not, anyway. Uh, but, but I'm just here to tell you, the storm came in the waves, especially in our little metal boat, you know. It started tossing us here and there. And I, I started looking around everywhere as far as I could see were waves and a lot of waves. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, everywhere I looked, felt like we were out of control, when we got on land, I felt like kneeling down and kissing the earth, you know, but then I realized the ground's dirty, so I didn't do that. But, but I remember that moment. I remember that feeling, that uneasiness of, man, this is, this is not exciting. This is not fun. I feel out of control. And that's the picture James gives us of doubt. That's the picture that when doubt creeps in and takes root, you're living your life like that. And I'm here to tell you, a lot of my life in 2020 and 21 has felt a little bit like that at times, right? Like you're just being thrown here and there because when the presence of doubt comes in and it takes root into our lives, James 1 says you're like that. You're just, you're just blown and tossed here or there. The second visual, though, second he gives us is of someone with two minds. To be double-minded is the word that he uses. Imagine, imagine the picture here of two brains competing, warring against each other. One is shouting, one brain is shouting, believe, trust, persevere. But the other brain is shouting, run, flee, be afraid, be very afraid. Imagine the chaos that would create these two brains shouting different things, right? That's a picture of instability. This word, the context here, it's a conflict of loyalties. Who is in charge today? Who is leading? Am I, am I trusting in me and what I want? And what I, or am I trusting in God to lead me and him to give wisdom? This is the picture 
we get when doubt festers. When doubt festers, we believe the lie. And what's the lie that we believe? We believe the lie. God cannot be trusted. That's, that's the lie that doubt gives us. And in response to that, what we become double Minded, We become double-minded. Our loyalties are split. We, we, we begin trying to live for self and him. Why? Because somewhere inside we believe the lie that, that God cannot be trusted. So what does James command them to do? These, these believers in the midst of their trial, he commands them believe and not doubt. The question today, the question is not if you doubt, we all do. If you were looking around the room today as I speak of doubt and you're thinking, man, I'm the only one, I guess, huh? The, the answer is no. Read your Bible throughout the Psalms, right? We see pictures of over and over again wrestling with doubt. See, the question is not if you doubt. The question today is what do you do with your doubts? The question, not, not if you doubt. What do you do with your doubts? I think that's the question that James 1 leads us to today. And Jesus himself actually gives us a powerful visual, a powerful visual, a powerful answer to this question. What do we do with our doubts? There was a man, we call him that because we don't know his name. We don't know his name, we don't know his son's name, but in Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 9, we, we see a, a dad, a father who was desperate in the midst of his trial. He was desperate, not even desperate for himself, he was desperate for his son. His son was suffering. <laughs> He was suffering so terribly that he was, he was seizing, uh, having seizures. He wasn't able to speak, and his dad's heart was broken. He felt hopeless. And Mark's gospel tells us of this interaction as he comes to Jesus, desperate for help. And he says this, Jesus, if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of God says, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father says, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Man, I know I've talked about this before. If I've ever resonated with one story, with one picture, with one, it's one line there in Mark chapter 9. But I got to tell you, I resonate with that. God, I believe, I have seen you do it before. I've read your word. I know what it says is true about you. But right now in my circumstances, I don't understand. Help me overcome my unbelief. Help me, God, because doubt is creeping in. And, in, and it's so hard to overcome. I believe, God, I want to trust you. But help me overcome my unbelief. What a picture. What a picture, right? What a picture in how we answer that question. Because you see, this describes perfectly the posture of a heart that refuses to give in to doubt. See, giving in to doubt says, oh, I'm hopeless. I'm not going to come to Jesus. He, he can't help me. He can't be trusted. He's not really who he says he is, right? But what's the picture we get here? What's the picture is that in response to our doubts, we... We come to him. We come to him, right? Look at Mark 11. Mark 11, Jesus himself said this, Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt. 
in their heart, they believe that what they say will happen, it'll be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you've received it and it will be yours. And the pain of the circumstances and the pain of the trial, don't allow doubt to take root. Because when it does, we question the character of God. We question his goodness. I've shared uh, this story many, many times. A big part of my journey was uh, during my uh, late elementary, early middle school years, my mom, severe journey, battle with depression. And and I, I just resonate with that time in my life because that's a time in my life I can point to and know that I doubted. I mean, I was early. I'd grown up in the church. I trusted God. I was... I did everything I knew to do to honor him, and, and, but yet in my life, there were doubts. In those moments, as I, I saw the pain and trial of my life, of, of the circumstances around me, of my family being tested, of my mom suffering, I doubted whether God was there. I cried myself to sleep at night, and I doubted if God was good. I questioned If God could somehow work this for his good, that's what you say in your word, God. But I doubt right now in this circumstance whether that can be true. You see, don't ignore your doubts. Don't ignore your doubts. The worst thing I could have done in that season of my life was was to just stuff it, right? To have all of these doubts, all of these things building up inside of me and to just... Just keep them inside because the truth is, the truth of James 1 and the truth of our lives is there's only one place for your doubt and it's at the foot of the cross. Have you ever had someone doubt you? Have you ever had someone doubt you? Maybe they doubted you would do what you say you would. Maybe you felt like they were doubting your character, that you were going to come through. What about someone you love? Not just some random person doubting, I'll be there too. Will you really? No, no, I mean like, what about your family? What about someone who means the world to you? How did it feel in that moment when they doubted you? When they doubted you? When they didn't trust you? It's painful, right? But as painful as that is, the only thing more painful in my life, right, right? So in my life, if the people that I love most doubted me, the only thing more painful than that was what? If they, if they wouldn't come to me with their doubts. If they wouldn't come to me and say, dad, you, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I feel like you let me down. I, I don't understand what's right, right. If they came to me with their doubts, if they couldn't trust me and they refused to come to me, that's, that's not a relationship, right? And yet that's the picture we get here in James one. Our heavenly father knows in our trials, it will not be easy. There are some people in this room right now who are going through a very difficult trial. You're going through pain. And you may consider what you're going through right now to be the toughest time of your life. You're putting on a good face. You're smiling. You're going, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just busy. Just busy. Whatever the response is, right? But if we could peel away the cover, we'd see the pain, the confusion, and a whole lot of doubt. If that's you today, bring it to him. Bring it to him. The band's going to come. Today, the good news, the good news in the midst of our trial is that God offers wisdom. Some of us today, we need to pray, God, I need wisdom because I don't see how what I'm going through can be of any good. 
I don't see how what I'm going through can be for my good and your glory. God, I need wisdom. And some of us today, there are doubts, real doubts. And maybe this is the first time you've ever been in a church and someone told you that it's okay to doubt. Because maybe you thought, maybe you thought that to doubt meant God would reject you. Maybe you thought all this time that doubt meant God would give up on you. He would disown you. But, but I'm here to say today, all of us today, you are surrounded by a room of people who have doubted. Maybe even today wrestling with doubt. The question is not, do you doubt? The question is, what will you do with your doubt? Would you stand now? I want to pray. I want to pray a prayer today of confession, of honesty before the Lord. I want to pray a prayer that you, that I, we would bring our doubts to him. So God, today I pray. I pray uh, for the one in the room today. I pray for the one watching online today. The one that might feel like they're unlovable. The one might feel like they're too far from you. The one that might feel like because of the presence of doubt in their life, you can't use them. You can't love them. But today we choose, we choose to bring our doubts to you. We choose in the trial that some of us are facing today to bring our doubts to you because you love us. You're a good father and you desire nothing more than that your children would come to you. I believe, help my unbelief. Today, you can beat on the chest of your heavenly father and proclaim, I, I, I understand, but sometimes I don't. I believe, but sometimes I don't. I trust you, but sometimes I don't. Lord, help my unbelief as we bring our doubts to your feet, to the foot of the cross. You, you love us. You receive us. And you want to give us incredible wisdom today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.